Africa Climate Conversations. The podcast. As usual, February being summer in Kenya, roads are dusty, air punishing, and the sun scorching hot. Without an exception, the freshly excavated road in Kenya's Kamba village in Larry Subcounty, Kiambu County, is one dusty affair. But as I edge closer to a forest nearby, moving away from farmlands, the air smells fresh, and despite the dust, it feels cooler and forgiving. Now, for this week's Africa Climate Conversations podcast biodiversity series, I'm visiting Kereita Forest, home to the endangered Abbott's starling bird and threatened tree species like the Prunus africana, threatened for its medical value. I met to find out what the community located 40 kilometers from Kenya's capital city has done to not only save this forest once planted for wood, grazing and arable land, but also save this precious species. Welcome, let's explore together with me, Sophie Mogwa. Remember, you can also listen to the Biodiversity Introduction episode on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, our website, www.africaclimateconversations.com, and every other podcast channel you listen to your other podcasts. Please subscribe to not miss another episode in future. It rains in April and May, and it gets cold in June, but no rains. July, the cold gets worse, starts to ease end of August, giving us some sparkle of sunshine in September. September calls for massive firewood sourcing. You would want to store as much as possible since the cold sets in again in November through December, and one has about three months annually to source for firewood if they want to keep warm during the cold. That is Mary Wamboy, a 60-year-old mother of five, living about two kilometers to Kereita Forest, telling us about the Kamba historical weather patterns. Kereita Forest is one of the eight blocks forming the Kikuyu Escarpment Forest. The escarpment is part of the southern Abadea or Nyandarwa Mountains, an isolated volcanic range of mountains that form the eastmost wall of the Great Rift Valley. Kereita Forest has a coverage of 4,722 hectares, 80% of the trees here are indigenous, with 20% being plantations. Rivers and streams emanating from this forest joins the Avi River downstream, making it a critical water catchment area. Avi River is the second longest river in Kenya. Back in the 70s, the local community plundered this forest for firewood to keep warm due to chilly weather. By early 90s, Wamboi tells me deforestation reached peak high, Access to the forest was restricted by Kenyan authorities. However, local women would still sneak into the forest daily as wood was the only source they used to cook and keep their families warm. At this time, a group of young people determined to save Kerita Forest came together. They started teaching the locals on alternative sources of energy, such as the use of biogas and fuel-efficient stoves. The group encouraged them to plant trees on their farms, adopt new farming methods to conserve the forest and its resources. One boy found the idea of using biogas fascinating, though shocked that the livestock waste she used as fertilizer could be turned into energy, but she decided to try. Today, it's nearly 15 years using biogas to cook, though she still uses a firewood-efficient stove to keep her family warm during the cold season. The firewood she uses is now sourced from her farm. 
before I reared cows but never bothered. Who would have thought the cow dung could be used as energy? I just piled and used it as fertilizer. Today, it's both my source of energy and fertilizer. But back then, women would get very exhausted from sourcing firewood from moving around. And yes, biogas demands a lot of work but I don't go sourcing for firewood. Biogas is a very hot, fast cooking and a very clean source of energy as it doesn't generate a lot of soot like firewood. The Kijabi Environment Volunteers, abbreviated Kanbo, is the group that introduced Womboi to biogas. Nelson Moiru, Kenvo director, tells us more on working with the Kirita forest adjacent communities. Kenvo initiated uh, various tree nurseries within the community that would encourage the community to produce seedlings that would be sold and make money, and these seedlings would be taken back into the forest. We also came together and uh, looked at uh, what are some of the other income generating activities that the community could engage in uh, that would help them to really ease the pressure on uh, the forest's resources. Out of that, there was a lot of uh, community sensitization, a lot of uh, our open forums to discuss with the community on this kind of uh, interventions that we would encourage in. And there was also a lot of uh, advocacy uh, to the government agencies entrusted with these resources. When we come to the schools, we already have established an environmental schools program where we work with the various environmental clubs in these schools. Kenwood works directly with about 40 schools within Raleigh sub-county. These are both primary and secondary schools. We used to have uh, exchange programs amongst uh, farmer groups. So we would identify best model farms and we would take uh, the learning groups to these uh, model farms so that they can be able to learn from them. We have model farms in terms of dairy farming, beekeeping, agribusiness. Local communities are critical to conserve any ecosystem they live adjacent to. Wamboi mentioned that Kamba community rely exclusively on wood to keep warm. Moiro told me if a community shares a sense of ownership with an ecosystem, it makes it easier to join in the efforts to sustainably conserve it. But first, let's go back to 1997. The Kenyan government introduced the participatory forestry management, which led to the formation of community-based organizations referred to as the Community Forest Associations, abbreviated CFAs. Now, these CFAs enter into forest management agreements with the Kenya Forest Service, KFS. The CFA co-manages the forest with KFS, which retains the forest resources ownership right and the right to withdraw the agreement in total or part. Now, according to KFS, Kenya has 256 CFAs across the country with an estimated membership of over 3 million people. For the Kareta Forest, the participatory forest management approach that grants them legal authority to co-manage and interact with the forest was agreed upon in 2005. This was after conversations between KFS, the communities and organizations like Kenvo. The document allows them grazing rights, water, uh, access rights, cultural and tourism rights, policing responsibility, uh, tree planting responsibility, firewood collection right, beekeeping rights, as well as farming in plantation established areas. This means those living within five kilometers from the edge of the eight Kikuyu escarpment forest blocks, among them Kirito Forest, are now involved in conserving and managing their forest block. <coughs> 
David Warero is a 64-year-old father of four from Gatamayo village and is one of the beneficiaries. Warero chairs the Kerita Integrated Community Forest Association, Okikofa, formed in 2009. Warero told me before the CFA was formed, the community thought mm, it was the forest guard's responsibility to rehabilitate and protect the forest. But immense sensitization trainings by Kenvo and KFS has instilled a sense of ownership. Today, access to the forest is jointly regulated by the CFA and KFS. What are some of the benefits accruing from guarding and protecting this forest ecosystem? Previously, drawing water from the rivers emanating from the forest was a hectic procedure. Today, we access water and use it for irrigation. We are permitted to source firewood. We farm the forest through the livelihood program as we are farmers. To access the forest, we just need to pay a levy and with a receipt, you are free to walk in and out. Today we work closely with the forest guards as partners and friends, so nobody can contemplate cutting or look the other way while others destroy the forest, since we know we are the losers if it's destroyed. Now we have a sense of ownership because we know the benefits accruing from this forest. The CFA members pay a monthly fee of about 100 shillings, that's roughly a dollar, to either graze, that is pakao, or source firewood. Water pipe to their homes obstructed from the forest attracts about 200 shillings a month, that is per household. Kamba village is a key food basket for Kenya's capital city. Through the Plantation Establishment and Livelihood Improvement Scheme, also known as PELIS, the CFA members are allowed to cultivate crops within the plantation established areas. PELIS, also known as the Chamber System, is a system whereby KFS allows a forest adjacent community through CFAs the right to cultivate agricultural crops during the early stages of forest plantation establishments. Cultivation is allowed to continue for about three to four years when the tree canopy closes. The Shamba system, with Shamba meaning land in Swahili, was first introduced in Kenya in 1910 by the colonial administration. The aim then was to provide raw materials for the timber industry and reduce pressure on natural forests. Over the years, the Shamba system was said to be abused as natural forest was converted into plantations. The late Mongari Madai, an environmental activist and the first African woman to win the Nobel Peace Prize, condemned the system, saying it had been abused as farmers were allowed to turn large sections of indigenous forest into farmlands, reducing forest capacity as water reservoir. Was this true? What was the problem? I posed the question to Wawero. Because we farmed without understanding the benefits of forest land, people farmed carelessly. We had no one monitoring us. Actually, it was unless the forest guards came to survey the tree growth. In previous plantation allocated areas, people had farmed and encroached into the rivers. But today, we have changed that system. In 1986, the Shamba system was banned, but the ban was lifted in 1994. Again, in 2003, the government banned it. This time, kefirs and timber millers were blamed for abuse. Last year, Kenya's Deputy President Rigade Gashagwa's proposal to revert to the system provoked mixed reactions. Interestingly, his boss, President William Ruto, pledged the same year during Heroes Day celebration that his government would grow 5 billion trees between 2022 and 2027, and an additional 10 billion trees by 2032. It's worth noting that trees are not just trees. The Shamba system allows fast-growing trees for commercial purposes. Some of these trees are not even native to Kenya. 
Wawere told me farmers grow pine and cypress trees. So how well are these plantations aiding this forest ability to act as water reservoirs, really? According to the Kenya Forestry Research Institute, Kefri, the Mexican cedar, Mexican weeping pine, eucalypts, casuarina, Glaveria labusta, and Meliavol kesi or mukau are the major seeds produced for the plantation species basically demanded by KFS. Most of the trees are native to Mexico, Central America, Australia, and Asia, apart from mokau species native to East Africa, and some casuarina species, some of them native to the Indian Ocean zones. The Shamba system has also been criticized as acting as cover for millers to plunder indigenous trees most vital to the ecosystem. As usual, getting KFS to comment on this matter went unanswered. But come with me, let's go back to Gedangori. Wawero says the Kirita CFA members cultivate the forest since the agreement, but he says with bags of lessons from past mistakes, now they protect the riparian areas by growing indigenous trees and carefully monitors every allocated farmer block to ensure every tree planted grows to maturity before moving on. Today, each listed member has a block registered, numbered and assigned to them. Once the block is cleared, they farm for a year or two. Then the CFA provides free tree seedlings. Each is mandated to plant and care for the trees, with the CFA monitoring the tree growth closely. If one dies, a farmer must replant. By the third year, the entire land has a full-grown canopy. As a CFA, we have our tree nursery, and the KFS too has its own. Even where the plantation was allowed close to the river, we no longer farm close to that river. However, between the plantation and the river, we leave a space of about 300 meters to plant indigenous tree. Why? Because the plantation trees are seasonal as after 20 to 30 years. They are harvested leaving a gap before the next plantation matures. So we thought it wise to reduce on the plantation by incorporating more indigenous trees as they are not harvested and will remain permanently there. Over the years, Kenbo exposed their members to other groups within East Africa through field-based model farm exchanges as learning lessons from those conserving forest adjacent to their villages. But Moiro says this has changed due to financial constraints as the groups relied on donor funding. But he says these financial constraints have pushed the organization to think beyond donors. What other means is Kenvo exploring to survive? We have the forest mist water bottling plant, which is a sustainability mechanism for the organization. The water is drawn from the greater forest, treated and sold into the local market to be able to earn some income for Kenvo for sustainability purposes. However, it would not be able to break even and uh, we are looking forward to how can we be able to you know, expand or diversify that business so that we can be able to get enough resources that can be able to sustain some of these activities that Kenvo engage in. We also have the beekeeping approach where we work with farmers from within this region and uh, we look at how these farmers can earn an income from the sale of pure honey. We are using this as a sustainability mechanism since if we could be able to have Kenvo harvesting her own honey and be able to work with farmers to sell honey in quantities, there is uh, what we call plowing back conservation fee 
that uh, we charge the farmer a certain amount to process the honey, to package it and to serve as an outlet for the honey. So Kenvo would get about 30 shillings out of each jar of honey and this amount is supposed to be ploughed back into conservation activities. However, this is also uh, not yet there and uh, we would really look forward to how can we be able to get uh, resources that can enhance such. We also have uh, invested in uh, some farms. We've planted some corn so that uh, we can uh, sell it as fodder to the dairy farmers around this area. As Moira mentioned, Kenvo is among four institutions allowed to filter and bottle water from the Kereita Forest Springs. Here is Lucy Mbogwa, the forest misproduction manager, telling us more about the production capacity and benefits it has on the area use. Our machine has a capacity of 2,000 liters per hour, but for like a month, we can see like 150 cartons, 500 ml, 100 cartons, one liter, five liter, like 20, the 10 liters, 100, 20 liters, 200. For the youths in the community, we have an opportunity to get a job opportunity. Rather than just going to the forest to destroy the forest, we can get an opportunity maybe working as a casual and also we have some few people being employed on full time. So it has benefited the youths in the community to earn some income through the production of the water. What needs would all these efforts to protect the forest mean if the future generation grew without valuing the natural resources next to them? This was a question posed to me by Waweru as he explained his efforts and that of his CFA to assure their efforts are carried forward. Personally, I teach primary school children about sustainability. The essence is to pass this knowledge to them as the future generation. I take them on a tour into the forest. I have them sit under a tree. Once they enjoy the breeze, I take them out into an area without the shading until they complain about the direct heat from the sun. I do that as a practical means to teach them the importance of having a tree. As a CFA, we have the children accompany us while we are planting the tree seedlings to teach them the process of tree growing, from the nursery to maturity. We also tell them the relationship between trees and humans, where trees take up the carbon humans breathe out while giving us oxygen. We also give them tree seedlings to plant on their family lands. Now, temperatures in Kamba has eased today compared to 1970s as global temperatures rise. Moiro says Kenvo, working with the community living adjacent to the forest, has realized immense gains. However, as temperatures rise, drought is putting pressure on the natural resources, both downstream and upstream. We are able to see restored riparian areas. We are able to say we could note an increasing level of water volumes within the rivers. There is a better closed canopy within the forest, and this has really uh, supported the kind of uh, water volumes that we can be able to note on the various rivers. Rivers were drying by then, eh? but uh, out of the efforts, they are already back. In terms of, uh, for example, the bird species, I'm very assured that due to the closed canopy that we have maintained within Crater Forest, we've been able to maintain its habitat. Uh, again, in terms of uh, other species, the Columbus monkey, we are able to hear the community indicating there are so many of them around the area. So that indicates an increase in number. In general, 
conservation works yes great improvement but uh, specific on the riparian areas right now we are facing a crisis and uh, it's not just uh, around the eucalypt species but also on climate change we understand that there is uh, a lot of change in the area we used to receive quite substantial amount of rains and uh, i can tell you we never received any that we expected during the short rains october to december 2022 we were not able to receive such rains and uh, as you can see we are in a very dry uh, spell period and this uh, has really impacted even the volumes of water in the rivers recently when we were celebrating the world wetlands day we noted a lot of uh, water abstractions upstream and downstream and this is a crisis in the making because we know people will be fighting over the scarce resource uh, that is the water but for Wamboi, when I ask how this drought is affecting her, she's across saying the trees she planted are helping retain the moisture needed by her plants. Listen to her say why, as well as appeal to you on why you should plant more trees in your farm. Trees are very beneficial. One, your farm looks very beautiful. Firewood is abundant. When constructing, you just turn to your plantation for wood Plus, you will contribute to making your country better as you're protecting the rest too. And also, during the reduced rains, the crops and greenery around the trees yield better due to retained moisture. And that is it for me today. Thank you so much for joining with me. I'm inviting you to do the same in two weeks' time where we will pause for a minute this biodiversity series to take you with us to Garissa County, Northern Eastern Kenya, in collaboration with China Dialogue. I said we because that's me and my colleague Wesley Langat. So please make a date with us. Kindly remember to also share this podcast with a friend to help us reach more. They say sharing is caring, right? Absolutely. Asante sana for listening. Kwaheri for now. My name is Sophie Mbogwa. Africa Climate Conversations. Thank you.